on this episode of A Tale of Two Rivals. T. Higgins, DJ Moore, Tua, what's the deal? Stay tuned. Welcome to a tale of Travel, a fantasy football podcast put on by your three-peat, I know I'm going to listen to some relish tonight, champion, and uh, numbers obsessed, I cheer for regular season wins, nerd, to find some sort of consensus to share with you, the fantasy football listener. Who else is here? Uh, you're, you're joined by the at FF underscore Spaceman, Dave, right? And I like how Todd is getting preemptive here getting to try to lay the groundwork for this episode because, as everyone knows, it's actually, it's almost uh, a trend for the show. You know, it's lore is that I'm not a condiments guy, Todd. But this week, I'm really, really all about the relish, putting on my burger, really putting on this whole episode because I'm just kind of sit back and enjoy that after all the crap you've given me about how my team has been doing in ta- in in our listener league, Tale Two Rivals. Uh, we went head to head this week, and I took you down, man. Took you down. My team finally came together. Tua came back healthy, and both QBs showed up for me. It felt good to get on the winning str- uh, the right track. And uh, I'm sorry I had to drop you to four and two, my friend. It's all good, man. You know, I remember my first beer too. It was tasty. Good times. I'm glad that uh, this is your Super Bowl, which you're taking me on. <laughs> I will continue to uh, work towards my fourth straight championship. And I'd like to say that you are three and three, and I am four and two, so eat it. And in our group chat, people are saying, like, oh, Todd's showing vulnerability. I go, talk about being in all your heads. I am four and two, and I'm suddenly vulnerable. Mmm. I love it. I will say, Todd, I owe you, I should give you a little credit. You did take down my undefeated team in our, in your, your IDP league that you commissioned. I'm really happy with how my squad is looking. Uh, I am in first place and, uh, you did take that, you did ruin the undefeated season for me. But, and you didn't even mention it on last week's episode here. So that was good. And I should also congratulate you on getting, uh, your first win in our longtime home or, uh, redraft league. And I like how you also have a team cha- name change that is causing a little stir in the, uh, in, the, in the message boards. Yeah, so I changed my team name to 3PTOTR Champ. Because, you know, I'm 1-5 in, in that league, and I needed a little ego boost. And, uh, yeah, Ryan Tannehill, Allen Robinson, and... Ayuk. <laughs> freaking Justin Fields, Mayfield. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's, been, it was, it's been rough, man. So Taylor was kind of like dead in the beginning too. Like it sucked, but whatever. I actually like it's all good. But yeah, no, that 
that week is pissing me off. So <laughs> it's so, so annoying. Uh, yes, I just you know I was able to struggle down some condiments with that in the open to the show. Todd and enjoyed a little relish there, so I just wanted to start the show off that way, my friend. All right, let's bring it back, baby. It's been too long. Question of the day, as if we do that all the time. All right, David, one hit wonders. We know them well. We can name many of them. This isn't the best one-hit wonder, the most popular one-hit wonder. What is your favorite one-hit wonder? So, Todd, I'm not even throwing you a curveball on this one. I'm throwing a freaking knuckler, a surprise knuckler in the arsenal. You know, when the Little League pitcher, you're facing him, and he randomly gets the knuckleball out? I, I'm, I'm, wa- I'm, I'm ready for it, Timmy Wakefield. Bring it. All right. It's free. I'm going a different a media. I'm going Freaks and Geeks, the TV show, my friend. I'm not even going music. I'm not even going song. I'm going Freaks and Geeks, one of the best one-hit wonders of all time, a star-studded cast, Todd, uh, directed by Judd Apatow. Or Apatow. You've got, what, what do you got? Seth Rogen's in this, uh, James Franco, Jason Segel, and then, you know, one of uh, a crush of mine growing up, Linda Cardellini is the lead, uh, is the lead I'm with I'm with you on that one. I'm with Gorgeous. you on that one. This is as these like the uh, comedy superstars of our lifetime, two thousands on have this is was really their coming of age uh, show, and they all came together. And this was a really great series. It was uh, like a I really liked the content. It wasn't lowbrow humor. It was I thought it was really well written. And uh, well acted, and I really like the dynamic of the freaks and geeks. You know, I'm, I love my nerds, Todd, and and the '80s gives you that nostalgia, I, I, or the early '90s, whatever it was. I really enjoyed this show, Freaks and Geeks. Really sad. There's only one one season, so that is my one hit wonder. Okay, first reaction was okay. Of course, Dave decides to go against the rules, and <laughs> I'm going to do something different. And I was like, a TV show? I go, yeah, one season. I freaking love that show so i will take it love it love it all right so i stuck with the rules so first before i go into my favorite i'm gonna throw out a few of my other favorites space hawk in the meantime love that tune skiwo i wish i actually have done that in karaoke many of times and dexy and the midnight runners come on eileen oh i swear such a great tune and then 90? I mean, excuse me. Uh, is it 69 tears? No, it's 96 tears. 96 tears. Great song from the back in the day. My dad's best friend swears it was stolen from him from a record label. And my dad swears it was too. Good tune. Family history there. That's crazy. That is, hold the phone. That is crazy. Yeah. It's like supposedly like my, so we call him my Uncle Vinny. He's not related to me, but he was playing a gig. Uh, record label came out. That and for some reason, like they didn't find interest, but they just stole a song, and gave it to somebody else. That's what he claimed. Cra- crazy, Todd. That's a crazy little backdrop. I will say, I don't think anybody's Uncle Vinny is related to them. That's <laughs> totally true. That's <laughs> 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 awesome. Uh, all right. So, my one hit wonder, my favorite of all time, I probably play this song weekly New Radicals, You Only Get What You Give. I when that song came out, dude, like that was like the days where you bought the album for that one song. So like all you like younger listeners, like I had to invest earned money into my music 
And if I liked one song, a lot of the times you'd have to go buy an entire album. And I actually liked that album. And I was like, New Radicals, this is going to be a band that's around for a long time. It just didn't happen. (laughs) So, New Radicals, you only get what you give. I I will just be bumping that in the car and just sing the whole thing. Joanne actually tells me to calm down on multiple occasions while I'm singing it in the car. Jackson thinks it's hysterical. But yeah, you only get what you give. Bonus, sir. Soul, uh, soul Asylum, uh, Runaway Train. Runaway Train, you're never coming back. Love it. Yeah, from my middle school era. Yeah, I'll take that song. It's a great song. On a one-way track. All right, that was a nice trip down memory lane. Davey, you got three takes tonight, man. Can you kick us off with the first one, babe? T. Higgins. I wrote. I, I talked a lot about him, Todd, and I think it was time here. We are five weeks through, now six weeks through the season. And it was time to talk about it. I think T. Higgins is outside the top 36 wide receivers, I believe. And I had him as a top, at one point, my wide receiver six in Dynasty. And then like like a month later, I moved into my wide receiver eight. And now he's probably, uh, I'm not sure if he's a top 12 Dynasty wide receiver for me anymore. I have to go back and check here. But so he's not, he's not. And if he is, we should talk. All right, and the reason why I was in on him, Todd, to just a refresher was, is he was in 21 years old, draft capital, paired with a great QB, young QB, and a team that threw, that, you know, has a, had an excellent pass-run ratio, neutral game scripts, had a very high-volume passing offense, a bad defense, and T. Higgins had excellent year-one rookie production, and usually those players see a big jump in volume and target share heading to year two, historically. That was the premise. But now let's take a look here and what's gone wrong for T. Higgins this season. Uh, his targets per game, he was at 7.1 last season. He's only at 7. Usually, you s- historically, like the, uh, the Blair Andrews article and Peter Howard have talked about it, but usually those players see anywhere from 20 to 40 targets on the season jump when you, have, when you fall into that the 21-year-old draft capital, all that stuff, and that kind of uh, rookie production. And T. Higgins has not seen that. And... His his air yards market share has gone from twenty eight percent in twenty twenty down to twenty five percent, and his A dot Todd his A and those are just you know slight things, but his A dot went from over ten I think it was like twelve something last season, and now it's down to eight eight something. It has been uh, it is yeah it was eleven point eight in two thousand and or twenty twenty, and now it was down to eight point six so far through three games this season. That's a uh, huge that is, drop. That's, that's a, a huge, huge drop. That's drop. It's almost like Juju level S drop, Todd. When that Juju, when he had that stellar year and he came back, he was injured. But then the next following season, his whole, his whole role changed. And that's what's happened so far with T. Higgins. And what doesn't make a lot of sense to me, Todd, is that I was getting, I had about, I've actually had about 10 people at me today saying this is because of Jamar Chase. Well, that's not necessarily the case, Todd, because Jamar, I mean, Last season, A.J. Green had 18% target share, had a ton of air yards who you've reminded me about. And I should also mention, Todd, A.J. Green, big, uh, you know, was a big contributor for me for beating your ass this week in Tale of Two Rivals. Uh, so Stay on topic. A.J. Green, you know, the air yard king, the guy who got you a case of beer, comes back from the grave to score some points against you this week. So I got to love to see that. But anyway, so A.J. Green was very involved, Todd. Uh, in that offense, and it was very inefficient, but it wasn't like uh, it was only Tyler Boyd and T. Higgins last year. That's what the people want to make it seem, but that was that's not the case. And also, Gio was there last year too. 
So when they think that Jamar Chase is here, it's just eating T. Higgins lunch. And that's not the case. What's happened is, so AJ Green had a pretty high A dot last year, a lot of unrealized air yards. So when you see Jamar Chase getting all these deep targets and this these air yards, you would think that it just doesn't make sense because that that role was already there for T, for for AJ Green to a certain extent. And so why is a, why is T Higgins still changing despite that? And that doesn't that's not what doesn't compute for me. And then also the injury, the shoulder injury, which has been rough. And he also had that the 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 IV thing. He was out, missed a bunch of snaps there in week one. So that's kind of like the negative, Todd. And oh, then his also his receiving yards have dropped 12, almost 12, 13 per game. He was at 60 and a half receiving yards per game last season. And that was with he had like a, a game or two before he really took over. And this year it's at 48.5 receiving yards per game, which is not not great. Not great at all. Now that's the negative. The positive, Todd, with the big parts of my hypothesis for the T. Higgins jump was the target share bump. Last year was at 19%. It's gone up to 23%. So that's actually right where we want it. We, we wanted him, that's a 4 to 5% bump in target share is bingo. That's what you want. And his whopper has gone up a little bit. Would have liked a little bit more, but it's gone up from 0.49 to 0.52, which is weight opportunity rating, which combines target share and the air yards market share into one metric that's very sticky, very excellent. And also racer, which is how good a player is at turning air yards into receiving yards. One of the best efficiency metrics there are for wide receivers. He's increased from 0.72 to 0.8. But technically, that's not really that promising because A dots decreased. So that's not really that as big of a jump as you want. So I wouldn't, might not even call that a positive. So, so Todd, that leaves me pretty disappointed here for, for T. Higgins here. And even zooming out a little bit more, the Bengals team has really disappointed us because they saw 34.2 pass attempts last season, and now it's down to 20.7 pass attempts per game this season. And that's kind of leveled out a little bit more the last couple of weeks. They were really run heavy to start the season with Joe Burrow's injury and the game script with just how it played out. So that's kind of bounced off a little bit here, but still those numbers, that's 14 pass attempts per game, just poof, gone, which... Uh, and then also in neutral game situations, which is usually a pretty stable metric, they've gone down from 60% run pass ratio to 57%. So that's just a, overall a team decrease in passing volume because also that defense has gotten better. I just did not see that happening, Todd. And ultimately, this is a great example of being too confident in team level projections because that's actually harder to do than people make it out to be. And... Uh, perfect team level regression. This is what happens when a team is extremely pass heavy. You sometimes you you know you, you revert back to the mean a little bit. Rushing goes up, and I just did not build that into my project, projection because I thought Cincinnati was going to remain a dumpster fire and that defense was going to stink. Yeah, and I, that's kind of so. T Higgins, Todd, I think he's more a top twenty four wide receiver at least for this season. Still bullish on him. Dynasty traded, actually I traded uh, Ceh and Quez Watkins for. T. Higgins today in our home league, and I'm very happy with that. That's kind of, I'm still all over Higgins here, but I think the definitely, I, I no, mind you, this is only three games, Todd, of sample size. I think we could see an improvement this season, but top 12 does seem like a stretch. I don't see, I still could see a high end wide receiver two coming, but it's definitely, uh, you're based on faith here, and then it's not in the stats that are telling me that. I'll say that. I love it. I think he's the perfect guy to come check in on. I don't think you were alone in that. I think. T. Higgins was a guy that I was particularly high on as well. I always said that Chase was going to be the alpha, and I thought that this was the year that Higgins was going to come out 
and be that number one option. So he's going to be a great 2022 guy. And then he was going to be like Amari to like CD Lamb in my head. And, you know, he had a great quarterback behind him. So I think given the situation, you're more optimistic than me here. But I'm also not looking to like hit a panic button and sell him, right? Chase is clear of the alpha, all right? And you just set the target shares. Also, that pesky Tyler Board, Boyd has a 22% tiger, uh, target share. Could Burrow support two top wide receivers? Uh, two top 24 wide receivers? Absolutely. But the existence of Tyler Boyd and that heavy target share, and the fact that Mixon's actually a pretty good receiving back out of the backfield, really hurts his upside. So the volume isn't there consistently for him. And you expect it. Well, I guess you can't say it is. It's just that you, there's going to be weeks where guys are going to take turns being the guy, except I think Chase is the one guy that week in, week out, you know that there's the chance that he's going to turn that big play, that one big play that could just save his his, uh, his value week in, week out. So you were always talking about how talent uh, targets equals talent, right? 100%. Well, well, they got a lot of talent in that receiving core. So, like, I feel like with Higgins, we probably both got ahead of ourselves, and there's going to be more inconsistency there. Really, though, like, Higgins was the top, I, like, why I thought Higgins was going to be the top dog while Chase adjusted to the game. Well, didn't take very long for Chase to adjust, man. Now did it. I'm with you, man. I You were much higher than I was, but I was definitely high on him as well. Ultimately, I think he's a great buy low target. 100% agree with that. 100% agree with that. I couldn't get him for uh, like Allen Robinson and a first and another piece. I forget what it was, Todd. It was a crazy package. I could not get T. Higgins for that. Uh, and now I actually had the trade that I accepted posed to me. So just there is an ease of maybe it might be not like a, a buy low, but the ease of buy window is definitely there. Yeah, I, I think I still am optimistic. I'm not like giving up by any means. I'm, I think there's still a lot to like here, and it's only three games. Only three games. So I, I, we'll check back here in a couple of weeks, Todd, and see how he's doing. Concur. Take two, baby. Go. All right. Going to be a little bit more efficient with this one because I had to get a lot off my chest with T. Higgins there. But it's DJ Moore, Todd. <sighs> and I'm going to be honest. The first four weeks of the season was magical. It was a magical time in my life because DJ Moore was the wide receiver four with a thirty over a 30% target share a 0.72 weight opportunity rating, and three receiving TDs after only having a career high of four receiving touchdowns in his three- or four-year career. That was just, oh, God, it was magical, Todd. Magical. But it's definitely been disheartening and a letdown after how it just started with a bang the first four weeks. The last two weeks have been miserable for DJ Moore, who has finished outside the top 36 wide receivers both weeks. and And after averaging 20 points per game through the first four games, he has only had he only has 19.7 PPR points combined through those weeks. And then Sam Darnold Todd, we talked about him extensively a couple weeks ago. It looks like Adam Gase has uh as the walrus would say, the fancy succubus has become Darnold's personal QB coach again and that low end QB1 production we were Wait seeing minute, seems like a, a dream. The fancy succubus, Adam Gase. No, who? The walrus? Who the, who the hell is that? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, remember, we often, people think that we uh, we took him out to the shed and and uh, took care of him. But no, he's 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 also 3-3 three and three in our league, Todd. It's been a tough week, tough, uh, more the most losses for all three of us, I think, combined through the first uh, month of the season. Yeah, you guys keep, you guys keep crying. I'll stay on top at 4-2. Keep crying. <laughs> 
But yeah, anyway, that seems like a lifetime ago. I will say, Todd, people, I don't think it's I don't think this was it was a flash in the pan by any means for DJ Moore because over those last two weeks, the peripheral stats are still there for DJ Moore. He's yet to have a game under 20% target share, which is extremely promising. And that's what elite uh, elite wide receivers do. When, even in their down games where they have a bad game, inefficient game like DJ Moore did last week, by like having a below 50% catch, catch rate on 50, tar- uh, oh, 50, 14 targets, something like that. He still was seeing over 20% target share. And that's what the big dogs do. And, and also too, he, so he's still part of that offense. I highly doubt, and now, what does this all mean, Todd? Because the DJ Moore truthers are still believing, as you can tell. They're still not uh, giving up by any means, especially in Dynasty, because they're they're not losing their grips whatsoever. But in redraft, there I feel there's a wider range of players who have DJ Moore on their teams. And after seeing Sam Darnold do what he has done, after hearing the coaching staff about needing to pound the rock more, run the ball more to try to protect Sam Darnold uh, and, and like cover for his inefficiencies, that there is an ease of like an ease of buy. I've said that a couple times tonight, an ease of buy for DJ Moore and redraft. Definitely check it out because it has been a big letdown, especially after the first couple weeks. So that's kind of my takeaway is everything's good. Everything is peachy. Don't lose hope. And just in redraft, go check, take a look and not, and see what it takes to get them. So in dynasty, I think like it depends on the situation where you're at, where I could see like the buy window opening up for DJ Moore a little bit for like, kind of like a move down where you can get, like, moving down from, like, Nuke, like Nuke Hopkins, right? Maybe you got him, you're, like, middle of the tier, like, lower end, um, and I might want to get a little younger. Like, moving down to DJ Moore just became a lot more, like, attractive because you're going to be able to get some, like, something else back probably in that deal if you're you're trying to get more. So I think that in that scenario, like, in the beginning of the year, you're looking at probably more of, like, a straight-up deal. So, like... If you were thinking about more and you have a stud that's on a little bit of the older side, like I feel like that buy window is opened a little bit. But I totally agree with the redraft piece. 100%. He's a great player to be looking at. I mean, the target share is going to be there. It's been a couple of weeks. And I honestly, I'm not like jumping ship on Darnold. I, I mean, I wasn't like seeing him as a QB1. I still think he's going to be a serviceable QB2. And like, I believe in that, like that offensive scheme. 100% on board with the buying of DJ Moore. 100%. All right, Todd, moving on to take three. I really want to talk about Tua Tungavaloa. I think I pronounced that right. Anyway, I really want to talk about Tua after it's been a, I have Tua and Scott Fishbowl. You know, Todd, I, I, I'm going to have to sprinkle in some uh, some tears for a condiment on, on this burger and say my Scott Fishbowl team is 0-6. Uh, it is a dumpster fire with injuries. It, it is atrocious. Uh is not going well. So four and two, baby, eat it. Yeah, uh, it is not good. Uh, the injuries, I, I am actually shocked just about the injuries and just the poor play. But uh, no sympathy anyway, over all your relish. Keep going. Yeah. Part of this, Todd, is the hate I've been hearing about Tua Tungvaloa, the doubt, the talking about his inability to stay healthy, his injury prone, how much of a disappointment he's been, how he doesn't. I've heard a lot, a lot of negativity around Tua, and it's been a long three-week absence, especially after the worst thing that can happen in fantasy is when your uh, your quarterback gets injured early on in a game and he puts up almost a goose egg in a week. That really tanks your. That really it makes it almost impossible to win uh, a matchup when that happens. So it's been really rough for Tua, 
and especially with all of his weapons being hurt too. So it's just it's been rough time. But he returns to action uh, with a top twelve QB week with twenty one point four fantasy points. And his peripheral stats were pretty solid, not not amazing, but pretty solid. And the passing volume was there. Miami, one of the most pass happy teams in the NFL, is kept up with Tua as he returns for the sophomore QB. And so talking about the mixed bag for Tua Todd, I'm all about getting the negatives out of the way first and ending with the positives here. The negatives is he faced the Jags, who have given up at least 18 points in four of their five previous games to start the season. So that that's the, you know, it's the Jags. So not not a lot to write home about here for the Jags. Like the opponent, he needed 47 pass attempts to get to those 21 fancy points. That's not terribly efficient. Uh, didn't only threw the two touchdowns on those pass attempts. So his AO, his adjusted yards per attempt was pretty was pretty low. And then his offensive line remains atrocious. He had the fourth most tied for the fourth most pressures on the week. Uh, so it, that's and that's a you know concern for re-injury for just overall play in that offense. Of it's not going to let Tua push the ball down the field if he has such a a short time to throw. And I think he was uh, bottom. I think he was the eighth worst time to throw in the league this week per dropback. So that's the negative. Oh, and he also had two turnover worthy plays. Uh, and he was very, very inaccurate with his deep throws. He had like less than 20% accuracy on his deep throws uh, this week, which is that's, that's a uh, dog poop. That's dog poop is stat right there. However, Todd, that's the negative. I wanted to get him all the way. Time to, there was a lot to like with Tua this week. And it started with, he had a 6.03 completion percentage over expectation, which is, I've said it multiple times. That's one of the best stats for quarterbacks. And to be six percentage points over expectation is exciting. An 80% completion percentage in a clean pocket, which is a very sticky stat. Also, top notch. And he also taught, I talked about the pressures he had and how many pressures he had. He actually had a 50% completion percentage under under pressure, which is, that is good. Like what some of the best quarterbacks, what they, a trait they have is the ability to stay in under pressure and make the throw or be able to move in the pocket and throw. And that's what Tua did very well in the uh, last week was his ability to move around the pocket. He didn't take any sacks despite being uh, under siege at times. So that's all really positive things. And he also had a solid A dot. You know, Miami's been a pretty dink and dunk offense between Gaskin, Waddle, and other pieces that they're throwing to. And despite... Devontae Parker being down and the uh, the Notre Dame wide receiver Will Fuller being down on IR. You know, uh, that, despite those happening, he still was able to push the ball down the field, 8.1, A dot. Not, that's not sexy, but competing what he had to deal with only had Mike Kosicki and Jalen Waddle. That's pretty good. And then, so that's kind of in conclusion, Todd, after feeling really, really poor about how Tua was going after these three weeks and how excited I was for him to take a step forward this year. I'm, I'll, I'm very happy with a move in the right direction. I don't think you're uh, moving him drastically up or anything like that. It's just a, all right, this was a get right game. It felt good. A lot of promising things for Tua Tagovailoa here. It was absolutely a game that, that Tua's uh, fans and owners needed to see, man. Like, and I love how you broke that down. And the one thing that really stood out to me, I mean, you just dove super, super deep in it. It was the 21 points on 47 passing attempts. If you're throwing the ball 47 times, you should be like pushing the 30 mark, you know, like high 20s at least. So like, that's not great. And I honestly think that 
you know, coming back after being out for a little bit due to an injury. Um, I still think that two was going to be like a solid QB two this this year. But I think that like what you're seeing is you're seeing this team kind of starting to like find the pieces around it that's going to need some time. I think like Kaseki and Waddle are two guys that are mainstays in this offense. And he's going to need some time to build some chemistry, particularly with Waddle, given the fact they haven't played together that much. And boy, is Mike Kaseki looking good, Dave. Boy, is he looking good. That was my tight end call all season, and I'm looking good on that one. So long story short is, is that like, I love the idea of kicking those tires for Tua. But given the fact that like he just put up like a good game, even though there's a lot of volume, you could try to use that in a trade negotiation conversation. But it'd be probably best to see him have like maybe like a, you know, like a, like a so-so game, you know, under 20 points and then, you know, kick those tires to see like how that owner's feeling about him. Because I feel like you got to be patient with quarterbacks, you know, and like Tua had like a very interesting start coming in out of being injured at Alabama, you know, playing behind Fitzpatrick, still had some really good efficiencies rookie year, already had some injuries this year. So like you still got to kind of like ride the wave. And when we get to my takes in the next show, that's another thing I'm going to be talking about with quite a few guys. So like Tua, I'm not really concerned about moving him in a dynasty piece in redraft. And he's my QB too. He gives you some upside and being a possible contender, but wouldn't be loving that situation for, for the season. Well said, Todd. And just to kind of wrap up with Tua is there's been a lot of hate. It just feels like, Two doesn't get the same leash that other quarterbacks do. And uh, this was a promising step here for Tua coming. And like you said, the injury too. He had to wear a special vest in that game, a Kevlar vest, uh, and to come back, showed a little toughness. I don't think people are giving credit for the toughness and how much, how many hits he was taking. Like there was a lot going on there. And uh, one last thing, Tua, 22 rush yards for Tua. Not a, that's nothing ton. That's nothing sexy, Todd, but that's just a low key value that can help you week to week. And if that can be consistent for Tua, I think that's something to get really excited about uh, from a fantasy perspective. How do Kevlar vests uh, factor in into uh, analytics? So is that like, 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 what does that fall under? It falls under Todd. I'm not a robot. That's what it falls under. <laughs> I'm shocked. Tell them where they can find you, David. Can find me at FF underscore Spaceman on the tweet machine and on Patreon and over at DLF and at Rookie Fever. So, Todd, this was a fun week. I'm really excited to get the my Spaceman takes out of the way to start the week. Excited for the next episode, sir. Where can they find you? You can find me at FF underscore Banterman on the Twitter machine. At this time of recording, I am officially two people, two followers away from a 1,000 followers, though really don't care. Uh, so, on top of that, you can find me over at the IDP guys, and I will be on next Monday with the one and only Kevin Coleman, uh, the boys 22, to do some Debbie stuff. And uh, we moved it back this week because Papa forgot he had a fantasy basketball draft. So, see you for my takes.